0: I want to I jump in today. I do want to say Happy Father's Day, and I fully recognize that in this place, some of us, that's, that's real exciting. Marshall, real exciting for you. First Father's Day, there you go. Um, for some of us, it's such a joy to be a father, but I know also that for some of us, it's a pain. It's, it's a sorrow. <laughs> Not a pain as in like, oh, but <laughs> maybe for some of us. But I, but, I, but I know for some of us in this room, and I want to fully recognize it, that some, this may be a sorrowful day for some. Uh, you know, we haven't had the best relationship with our fathers. Um, our fathers have passed away, or we haven't been able to become a father. And I understand that, and I want to recognize with you in this day that for some it's a great celebration, and for some it's a painful moment. And so for you, if we're celebrating with you today, we applaud you, we stand up, we beat our chest, and we scream, and we celebrate. And for those of us that this is a painful day, I want, I want to enter into that moment for a, for a few moments with you in this place. Because on this earth, we can have a lot of pain, and one of those pains may be with Father. And if that's you, I apologize. The good news about the gospel message is that we can enter into the darkest pain, and God injects hope right there. So, I don't know if today is a hard place for you because of this day we celebrate Father's Day. If it is, I pray, though, that the hope of the message, the gospel message, enters into your heart in this place and you leave with a smile, knowing that God is the ultimate father of all of us and we've been adopted into his family. So, I'm glad you're here today. I want to do a couple things before we get into the 50 verses, and I'm not joking 50 verses that we're going to cover today. Um, One is two weeks ago, our church met at St. Paul's. We didn't meet here. We went over there. And I got to tell you, if you get my emails, I was never prouder to be your pastor than I was at St. Paul's. I mean, what we experienced over there was beautiful. We met with an let's say an older congregation, right? And I still see your smiles, I still hear your laughter. You were very gracious and very lovely. And I'm I leaved going, that was awkward? Raise your hand if that was awkward. Yes, you can, in some ways. But it wasn't it beautiful. Like one of the things I'm most excited about is you know what church is. Capital C church. I love Church Project, the name. I love our purpose, our values, our structures. I love our house churches, our Sunday gatherings, our ministry partnership. I love the ecclesiology of what we have going. But what I love even more is that you see the capital C church and you're willing to go there. You're willing to stop meeting here and go somewhere else. That doesn't happen, but it happens here. And so, church, thank you. I think God is continuing to bless us and to grow us and to pour even more of his spirit on us. Don't test my theology in that. But he he is doing incredible things here, and I'm excited for that. So, church, don't clap. Let me clap for you. Like, thank you. It's an honor to be your pastor. I also want to recognize Jared, wherever he's at, Nelson. In the back right there, stand up with your pineapple shirt and your palm tree shorts, (laughs) that is so cool can you tell he's our youth pastor I love it Jared thank you for giving the message last week we appreciate it what a hard thing to get up these are some ugly people out here and to stand up and to give that that is bold of you. Good job. And I also want to tell you, we don't, we don't hire him to get up here and speak, but you did a great job speaking. And what, you, what we do hire him for is for our youth ministry, and he's nailing it. He's hitting it out of the park in youth ministry. And so if you have any students and they're not a part of Jared's youth group, get them there because this is a man that loves God, both him and his wife, Jared J- Jesse. What? We don't today. But don't do it today. Jared, thank you for leading us, bro. I'm so glad God brought you here to to love on our students and to us as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then, so I was away last week at the Church Project Network Retreat. So all the pastors of Church Project throughout America and our wives went down to Houston, and we met for two days and just celebrated what God's doing as far as our network. It's not just one here in Greeley but there's six in America. And so we celebrated what God was doing down there. And, and I listened to the podcast, heard Jared's message. I also listened to the podcast and heard Carl, do you want my job, bro? Carl did our Imago last week and did a fantastic job. So thank you, Carl, for doing our Imago. That was awesome. A couple more announcements and then we'll get into 50 verses. I'm, I'm just nervous to get into them. So I'm dragging this out, okay? One, summer is always a little different for us. We do weird things at Church Project, like go to other churches, and that's fantastic. One of the things that we do that's weird is we don't meet. We won't meet July the 2nd. So if you come here Sunday, July the 2nd, no one's going to be here, okay? Why? Because we want you to engage in your community. Like whether it's with your friends or your neighbors, have barbecues, do whatever you're going to do, but really celebrate. Don't come here. Be the church somewhere else. We've done that from the beginning, and we just kind of like it, so we're going to keep doing it. Um, another thing that we do is during the, the month of July, we will not have house churches. If you're part of a house church... You you probably love it, and you're going to miss it that whole month. But one of the reasons we do not have house churches for the month of July is we want to give our house church pastors and our host homes a break. (laughs) Let them breathe a little bit. Let them recoup a little bit from the 11 months that they keep serving our church. So if you're just new to to Church Project, again, we're going to tell you, you have to be part of a house church, but just not for July. (laughs) Um, And I also want to tell this before we get into it. Our leadership here is really, really wise and has offered me the opportunity to be away for a couple weeks this, in July just to recharge and to refresh and to get revision for what church is for me and who God is. And so please be praying for my time. I'm going to be gone for the next few weeks. Just recharging, we'll call it a sabbatical, we'll call it a break, whatever you want. But church, I'd really appreciate if you would pray for me while I'm away doing that as well. I believe that when I'm gone, we come back, we're going to enter out of July and come into an incredible, what follows July, June, July, August, so. All right, I can't avoid it anymore. Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 50. I got my water, man, I'm good to go. I want to give you a little, a little setup before we get into these verses, because at the end of chapter seven, we're, we're talking right here, um, Stephen, or Stephanos, is, is speaking right now to the council. This happened in the end of, of chapter six. And in verse 13 of chapter 6, it says, and they, and, and they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. And in verse 14, it says, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So then we enter into chapter 7. And in chapter 7, verse 1, This is the response to what Stephen has said and the charges brought against him as he is standing before the council. And he enters into this speech where at times I think, come on Stephen, couldn't you have like summarized this speech here in 50 verses? That would have really helped me out today. But as we go through these 50 verses, I'm going to read all 50 verses. So follow along in your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, there's a blue Bible in the rows here and there's a blue Bible in the back. It's on page 632 of that, of that blue Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. But I'm going to read these 50 verses because I, I believe it's important for us to get the emotions of what, of what Stephen is doing in this place right now. He's standing up, and with much passion, he's giving a message. And, you're gonna, and, and, and what I found in these 50 verses has been really inspiring. So... Follow along. If I'm in a different version and it's, and it's throwing you off, then just close your eyes. But put yourself in the place of Stephen standing before the council and entering into this speech that's very, very passionate and bold. Let me get a drink of water. Here we are. Verse 1. Jack, I might call you up in the middle to finish off. Okay. Verse 1. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers, and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, Mia, before he lived in Haran, and said to them, Go out from your land and from, and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldonians Cal- and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into the land in which you are now living. Verse 5. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no children, no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them for 400 years. But I will judge the nation and their, and that they serve, said God. And after that, they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob to the 12 patriarchs. Verse 9. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh king of Egypt who made him ruler over Egypt and over his household now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction and our fathers could could find no food but when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt he sent out the fathers on their first visit and on the second visit Joseph made himself known to his brothers and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. Verse 16. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt, until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him brought him up as her own and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in his words and deeds verse 23 When he was 40 years old it came into his heart to visit his brothers the children of Israel and seeing one of them being wronged he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian He supposed that his brother would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wrong, but but the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an, ex- became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became a father of two sons. Verse 30. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he drew near to look, there came a voice of the Lord I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Verse 35. This Moses, whom you rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him and they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands but God turned away and gave them over to worship the heaven of hosts the hosts of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness o house of israel you took up the tent of Moloch and the, and the star of your god rephan the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Verse 44. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nation that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Verse 50. Did not my hand make all these things? Let me get a drink. I want to point out a few things as as we get into this and as we talk about this. One, that's a lot of talking. And if you've come here, you don't know the the context of what's happening, I would really encourage you. It took me a long time to really dissect these 50 verses this week and look and see what we could talk about today. So I would encourage you, there's nothing that I can say this morning that would fully expose Scripture today to you. Like I I encourage you to go home and start reading this and and go to a good tool that you can use is blueletterbible.com. Or there's an app you can put on your phone, and you can parallel concordances. You can study all day long. But I want to I want to summarize and synthesize these fifty verses. I want to bring it down to what I think God is teaching us today. Uh, and when you look at this speech, there's a couple outlines that I want to point out. In, in chapter seven, verses two through eight is the first little section, and that's the patriarchal age where where right in this verse, Stephen is talking about the patriarchal Age in verses 2 through 8. Then it goes into verses 9 through 19, and it's Israel and Egypt. And that's what's happening in 9 through 19. In verses 20 through 29, it's Moses' early days. Begins to talk about Moses in his early days. And in verses 30 through 34, it's the call of Moses. And in verses 35 through 43, it's the wilderness wanderings, everyone wandering in the wilderness. And in verses 44 through 50, it's the tabernacle and the temple. And so there's there's specific outlines that Stephen goes through in this story, in this monologue that he's giving, this message that he's giving right here. Like, it's an outline, it's thought out, it's very methodical, and you can study it on your own. There is probably no less than 50 biblical references to Old, pa- Old Testament passages just in these 50 verses. So you could study for days in these 50 verses, Old Testament, and jump in here and Old Testament. I mean, it is brilliant, and when he spoke, he backed it up with empirical evidence. Like, this is a brilliant, brilliant message. Stephen has his speech ready. It's the first thing I want to say. Like he's brought before the council and he knows that this is not a good thing. And he has his speech ready when he's asked about the question here. This speech is ready. It's not like he said, let me get back to you. And then he goes and he conjures up these 50 verses and he comes back and presents it. It's on the fly. These verses come out of him. He has his speech ready. Their narrative is at his fingertips. This is what came out of his mouth This is what came out of his heart when they asked him to defend what was happening in this point. And I also want to say this. It's part of him. It's part of him. He believes in this message. He's backed up in this message. He's alive in this narrative, and it's part of him. But I also want to point out something that when Lauren and I were talking about this passage this morning, I think think the house church talked about this. The story of the book of Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is moving and guiding and doing its thing in the church. It's not even a story about the people. It's about the Holy Spirit moving through the church. So don't you think that when Stephen stood up to give this message, it wasn't all up here? Like it was up here and it was here It was part of him. It was his narrative. But more than that, it's the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace and power of the Holy Spirit moving through an average man. An average man gave this message. That means, Will, you could have given this message, bro. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Like, we, any one of us could have done this. The Holy Spirit is powerful. All Stephen had to do was walk in this thing, believe this thing, and to walk humbly in this thing. Let the Holy Spirit move through him. Church, are we ready to give a reason for the hope we have in him? Are we ready to give a reason for the hope we have in him? He believed it, he walked it, and he humbly said, God, use me. And the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit unleashed 50 of the most brilliant things he could have said. Well, 50 verses. I also want to point out Stephen's speech is, is obviously not to get an acquittal for himself. Like he's standing before the council. And these, are, these are the hefe's. The the, these are the, the boss. The, this is the people that could stone him, and, which happens. Oh, I won't steal that thunder, but it'll be a while till we get there. These are the people that can kill him, that can give him an acquittal. These are, this is his chance to defend himself. I mean, if, if I'm him in this moment, I may do something like, you killed Jesus, but, and then back up real quick. Like, this is his chance to do this, but he obviously did not get an acquittal for himself. Rather, if you look in these 50 verses, it is a defense of the way. That's all they can call it right now, is the way, which later is known as Christianity. It is a defense of the way. He boldly, in 50 verses, gives a defense for this way. And if you're a, a, like a theologian, you know, guru, I know Chad and I, when we first met, he was an apologetic. Are you still an apologist? Defender of the faith? Like that? I I took a class by Dr. Grotius. Doesn't that name even scare you? Dr. Grotius in seminary. Whoa. And not only that, when I went into the class, he said, You can't have any electronics no phones, no computers, no whatever it may be. You have to have a, a pen and a paper, and you have to. That's it. That's all you can enter in. And this guy was so brilliant, and I'm not joking you. He would say words that I would go, is this English? I, I, and so I literally had to take it on the, on the side of my paper, take a note of words that he would say. I had no idea what they meant, and I'd have to look them up later. Like, what is he even talking about? Dr. Groteis. But he was an apologetic, and he's still an apologetic, a, a defender of the faith, Brilliant, brilliant man of God. And I, and I think what we see right here is the first apologist. Stephen is an apologist. He's defending the Christian faith, and he's defending it specifically against Judaism. Here we see it in a brilliant way. A man that stands up, defends the Christian faith, but does it intellectually. And there's a great place for that. There's a great place for us as Christians to know the word of God, deeply know it. Our theology is super, I can't say uber important anymore because you get a different idea now. But it's super important for us to know our theology, to study it deeply, to get busy in the word of God, to know what we believe so we can be apologists. When someone comes to us and offers a different way than than what we believe, it's important for us to enter into them intellectually and enter into that conversation emotionally and with our heart and led by the Holy Spirit first and foremost. And here we see Stephen, the first apologist, giving a brilliant account against Judaism in these 50 verses. Isn't that cool? That's cool. For all you people that are really heady, you're going, yeah, that's way cool, I love it, okay. I want to point out two things. The speech has two major themes. The first theme in these 50 verses is the presence of God is not limited to one person or one place. There's only two themes. The first theme is that the presence of God is not limited to one person or one place. Isn't that awesome? That's why we're sitting here today. The presence of God isn't just one person or one place. God moved And as he went through these 50 verses, he illustrated it. God moved in the life of Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and the Israelites in the wilderness, just like he is moving amongst us today. It's not one time God moved in the history of humanity and stopped, but he has always been on the move. He's made a covenant with us And he didn't just make the covenant and walk away. He made the covenant and he's been moving through all time and space for us. That's pretty encouraging. That's pretty exciting. The gospel message is not just a rigid message of restriction to one person or to one place. Instead, it's a dynamic message for every tribe, tongue, and nation, and it cannot be contained. You see it in these 50 verses as he goes and he illustrates how much God has moved through time and space. It cannot be contained. I want to ask us this, church. Do you approach your Bible reading and your time with God out of ritual? You can attempt to contain the limitless power of God. You can attempt it. But I pray is that you ask him to overwhelm you with this timeless message of insane power. Like this is an unstoppable force that has moved in multiple people, in multiple places, all of time. And yet we can be so arrogant to sit down with this God Almighty and open our Bible and put him in a little box. And say, God, speak to me tomorrow morning between 7 and 7:15 cuz that's what I've given you. And if that's all you got, wonderful. But church, may God blow those walls out and may you see him in every aspect of your life. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, the highs and the lows, this is a limitless power that has never stopped moving and it's going to overwhelm you if you let it. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you just as He did and and just as He did to Stephen. like In every aspect of your life, it's not just 7 to 7.15. Don't limit God and don't limit His power. Let Him blow you away with His awesome, awesome presence. This is is what we are part of. It's a movable message. It's not stagnant. It's dynamic. That's one theme. Isn't that a cool theme? So the first theme, because I'm, I'll be a good orator here, the first theme is the presence of God is not limited to one person or one place. That's why we can sit here today. Amen. The second theme is anti-Judaic apologetic. What? (laughs) It's a defense that Stephen gives against Judaism at this time. The Jewish people's refusal to acknowledge Jesus as Messiah is why Stephen stands up, and it's the second theme of this elaborate message. Jews have always rejected God's message and men, and he points out, as they've done through all of time, towards the end of this message, that he is, they are rejecting the Messiah right now as he stands up to give this message. He says, as he's standing before that council... Look, I want to point out how Jewish people have rejected God and his movement all through time. And we see him doing it all through time as God brings a prophet or he brings people. And God uses this person and uses this part right here. Then what happens? The people rebel against him and they want more. And you see it all through time. And, And Stephen does it through these 50 verses. And then he boldly looks at him and says, just like you, just like you right now are rejecting the Messiah. Just like you are missing that God is doing a brilliant thing right now. And that's the second theme of his incredible, strong message. Joseph's brothers tried to kill him. They didn't see that God was using him. And we know how that turned out for Joseph pretty well. He ends up in a palace. Like, that's awesome. In charge of multiple things. God still used him. Even though his brothers tried to kill him. You can't stop. You can't make the gospel message be static. It's dynamic. The Israelites complained against Moses multiple times. Though God was using Moses and the Israelites to set them free, they still complained, still rejected. The prophets were persecuted and killed. And Jesus was wrongly condemned and killed. A couple key points that jumped off the pages to me as I was studying this. And I encourage you, study this, please. Get in it, study it. Here's a couple things that jumped off to me. The covenant of God to his people. Like God made a covenant to us, his people. It's a lovely covenant that won't stop. And we can see through history how much God is pursuing us in a relationship with us. He's made a covenant with us. We're adopted sons and daughters, saved by his sacrifice, saved by God sending his only son to live a perfect life, to die on the cross only to defeat death, so whose blood covers over all of our sins. This is the covenant that God is inviting us into, a relationship with him. And I don't know about you, but as I stand here and I read about this, I'm overwhelmed with God's capacity to love me. Are you Thank God for this covenant to his people. Another thing that jumps off the pages to me is history cannot change that covenant. I don't know if you sit here worried about the future of America. If you do, that's hogwash. <laughs> I like saying hogwash. <laughs> Last time I said that, Kyle Bryson wrote a picture of a hog and put hogwash and put it in the Prairie Quest cards. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, you have nothing to fear, it doesn't matter what you believe politically. It doesn't matter all the pain and the sorrow you see. As Christians, we sit here with ultimate, eternal hope. Don't buy into the lie that our future is dark. Don't buy into the lie that doom is America. I don't know what happens to America. I know what happens to God's people. And if you're part of God's people, you have all the hope. I hope you tell your face to remember that this week, and you smile (laughs) come on smile we are a people of hope and as i read these 50 verses i was overwhelmed that history cannot change god's covenant with his people smile it's all good that's a good smile i like that um and i'm also reminded as i read these that each passing day is a strengthened reminder of god's covenant that he's made with his people that in the darkest of things, in the hardest of situations that we're going through, we're not alone. So as you sit here, and Anne, we sit here and, and we mourn with you and, and your sister right now, and we pray for her, and that's hard. But may we be reminded in the midst that God's in control, even when we don't understand. I can't look at you, all start crying. But here's the deal. No matter what you're going through, God's there. Offering hope, love, joy, peace. And don't believe it when people tell you otherwise. I'm going to point out a couple more things and then we'll be, we'll be done here. Verse 48. The church building is not necessary. Did you, did you kind of pick that up? Like, the church building is not necessary. Oh, it's nice to have a church building, a physical church building. Like what we have right here in this cafeteria um but it's not necessary it's nice and i i believe in church project right now that it's something that that god's moving us into in the in the future like i i believe when when all of our college students get back we're in trouble like uh uh-oh like bring it in a little bit more and god's adding to our numbers every day welcome by the way if you're a guest glad that you're here um Church building is not necessary. It's convenient and it's nice. And I'd already ask us right now a church project. God's doing something with us, like this this people. It's not necessary, but it's a lot of fun to have a church building. And so be praying, God. What are you doing for us, as far as church project? I mean, we can we can fit more people in here, but. That might get a little crazy. I, I don't know what God has for it, but I do want to point out that a church building is a make is not a make it or break it for the church. God is beyond his building. Like God is in the hearts of his people. And why I think we might need a church building soon is because I see the love of God in your eyes. I see the joy in your spirit. And I just believe that more people need that in Greeley. So I think we're going to need to do something soon. So please be praying for us as a church when as we kind of move forward, but what I want to also say is, regardless of our church building, that we may or may not need in the future, look at our house churches, oh my goodness, I love our house churches, that, you can't stop the house church, you don't know what God's going to do in relationships. so if you're not part of a house church, you're going to hear me say it over and over again, you're going to get sick of me saying it, get involved in a house church, because you can't stop that movement, Okay, let's go on. Two more things I want to say in verse 50. Did not my hands make all these things? You see that? God speaking and saying, did not my hands make all these things? And that's God speaking right there. God can ask that question. We cannot. God has the ability to ask that question. Did not my hands make all these things? We cannot ask that. We don't have permission to ask that. We in no way have the right to be entitled so filled with such pride that we look at our life and go, look what I've earned. Look what I've done. Look at me. We do not have that permission. Just as we cannot stop the covenant of God, and history shows that, we cannot take credit for the growth of his church or the blessings in our life. I'm going to say that again because that needs a whole bigger, like, southern amen thing. Like, I was in Texas last week, people. Come on. we got to get at least one amen. So let me say this again, and we'll get a hearty amen, but don't focus on the amen. Focus on what I'm saying here, okay? Like, now I can focus on this amen. All right, let's say amen first, and then I'll say it. Amen. All right, now I'm going to say it next. Here, here's the point. We cannot take credit for the growth of his church or his blessings in our lives wow i didn't even have to pay you for that one that one was free all right but isn't that true like how quick are we to go god i'm so thankful that i can't stop your covenant and it's been chasing me down thank you so much god for that but look what i've built look at the blessings of my life oh no church we thank God we fall on our face and we thank him for the fact that we can breathe. And from that point forward, we thank him for every other blessing that only he puts on our life and brings on our life. So if you find yourself in a proud position today, I pray that you humbly submit and realize that it's not by your strength you've accomplished anything. It's by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and God running you over with this love covenant. Yeah, yeah that's right. And I want to point one other thing out that I think is just so beautiful and can be overlooked, and actually I didn't even find it until like 9 o'clock this morning, and I thought, how did I miss this? That's the power of scripture, like it speaks so much, but for some of you, you need to hear this today, I needed to hear it, and it's this obscure part of verse 20, and this obscure part of verse 20 is a personal and beautiful stroke of the master's artist, his brush as he says this, and he says it to your heart and to your mind today, and this is what he says: He was beautiful in God's sight. He speaks about the creation. Do you see that in verse twenty? It says, "He was beautiful in God's sight." That means God was making it as ma- at it, looking at his masterpiece, his creation, this man that was created. And what does he say about him? He was beautiful in God's sight. Church, you are beautiful in God's sight. Like He made you, He's run you over with His love, and then He stands back and looks at you and says, You're beautiful. You're powerful. You're strong. You're capable you're able, and I've empowered you. There's nothing that can happen in life that I am not with you. Nothing. Nothing can separate me from your love. You are beautiful in God's sight. Do you know that? Do you know that? Like, do you deeply know that? Because the world tries to give us aliases every day. You're not capable. You did this bad thing. You're unworthy. You don't earn God's love. All this other stuff. You don't look the part. You don't speak the part. You have all these bad things going on. Like the world is trying to fill you with this. But may you today land in verse 20 and realize and live that you are beautiful in God's sight. Amen. By the way, I have thick, thick, thick notes on these verses And I watered it down, not watered it down, but summarize and synthesize for us today. I will give you this option. If you want my thick, thick, thick notes on these 50 verses, then on your response cards, just write, give me more. And put your email address on there. Put it in the prayer box back there, the tithe box back there, and I'll give you more. You can read all day long on this stuff. So do you receive this message today? It is a beautiful, beautiful message that can easily be lost in 50 verses that you skim through because you don't want to read them. But oh, if we can sit with the word of God, and oh, if we could let it penetrate our heart and mind, you'll realize that you are beautiful in God's sight, that his covenant is not to just one person and one time, but it's for all humanity, and he meant it for you personally. Amen. This is a good message. I'm going to uh, pray for us. I'm going to invite Jeremy to, to right, Come on up here, and, uh, and then you have to do Weston's job because I don't know he's partying somewhere. Um, church, I'm going to invite you to close your Bible and close your notes. And this is the part that I just love the most of our of our time together because it's time where you get to spend intimately with the Holy Spirit. Like, I've spoken a lot of words, but the Holy Spirit can speak into the depths of who you are right now and meet you right in that place. That's the power of the love of God. And so in this place, would you just close your eyes and and just maybe hold out your hands in front of you and palms up in a submissive stance, just saying, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. This morning, show me who you are and show me who I am. Call out to God in this place where you're sitting and just ask God to meet you where you're at. What you're going through, how you feel, what you're thinking, whatever's going on in your life. Just spend a couple moments right now inviting God to be the Lord of your life in these areas, to meet you there. Is there something impossible you're facing right now? Would you give that to God? Say, God, in this scenario, in this circumstance, and whatever this may be, God, I trust you. I don't know what you're doing. In fact, it's making me mad, (laughs) confused, and scared. And oh, church, if we just realize that that is not the spirit of God, God is a spirit of love and joy and victory. And so in that hard spot that you're in, and that thing that is fearful of you right now, that is confusing right now. Ask God to meet you there and to show you what he's doing in this time. To give you the strength to focus on him as he does his thing in your life. We believe in the sovereignty of God. God, we believe that you are good. We believe that you are moving in every scenario, in every situation. So you're God of the universe. I know you're gonna move in this in my life. Some of us, though, maybe we've been holding on to that way too hard. We said, God, you can be the Lord of all of my life, but not of this area, not this thing. And we hold on to it. So in this place this morning, God, I pray that you break the bondage of that in our life. That there's nothing that we'll hold on to. That God, will give you every aspect of our life. God, remind us that this is not about just today. This is about your people and where you've taken us as humans from the beginning to the end, God. That your name may be known. I pray that for your church, that as we sit here today, you overwhelm us with your love. And as we even leave here in a few moments, that you continue to overwhelm us, that we represent you everywhere that we go, and that we smile, and we give an account for the hope that we have in you, God. And may we find that in the quiet places and times that we spend with you. As we trust your Holy Spirit, the power and grace of your Holy Spirit in our life.